you have your Bibles today and would like to turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 12, and I'll also be referring to Psalm 51, reading from Isaiah chapter 12, and we will begin with verse number 1 from Isaiah, the 12th chapter. <clears throat> Feels good in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Isaiah chapter 12. Glad to have Dylan back in church today. Amen. Amen. I think he is more thankful to be in church today than we could possibly imagine. Amen. Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 1. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Watch this now. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is now turned away, and thou comfortest me. There's been a change, God, in what you're doing. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall you say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted, sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. David in Psalm 51 verse 6 says, Behold, thou desire truth on the inward part, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop that I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones that thou broken that, that thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sin and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy way, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. By the help of the Lord today, I want to preach joy into somebody's brokenness. The Lord wants to give you joy today. You may have come in with a broken spirit today, but the Lord wants to give you joy. Look at your neighbor and tell him the Lord wants to give you joy. God be with us this morning. Speak through me. Let me be the voice of God to this congregation for this hour. I pray, O oh Lord, let the anointing of God flow in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, God bless you. You may be seated this morning. The words of our text echoes 
through the ages, these words stand as a staunch reminder of the consequences of sin. David, sick with a broken heart, cries out to God for the restoration of his joy. David had sinned. Sin now had broken the relationship between he and his maker. But now David had repented. He had wept bitter tears. He had cried out to God. But now he says, my sin is constantly before me. Meaning that he was reminded daily of what he had done. And now the struggle is not so much of God forgiving him, but maybe more so of him forgiving himself. Now he's paying the huge price of living a life without joy or gladness. David says, make me to know thy wisdom, make me to know thy gladness, and make me to know thy joy. There are some times that we need God to just simply make us. He described his countenance in this text as broken. David said his bones were broken over the things that he had done. Not literally, but he speaks as though the pain that he was carrying would be like a man that was walking around on broken legs. But over the things that he had done and what had happened with his relationship with his maker, it seems like that in these modern times and days in which we live, we hear people speak so flippantly and lightly about David's sin. They kind of feel like David sinned, but he was restored. And let's focus more on that while instead of focusing on a prayer of repentance. Here in our text, we read of David boldly crying out to the Lord in, in admission of his sin and what he had done and not given an excuse for his inconsistent life, but yet crying out for repentance and praying and asking God for restoration. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a true prayer of repentance. Rep repentance is not a prayer of excuses or a prayer of God, I hope you understand why I did what I did. But repentance is recognition of what we have done and the wrong we have done without excuse but crying out to God for mercy and forgiveness. We're compelled today to look at David's repentance for the sin, of course, left him feeling shameful his sorrow was of a most bitter kind. The crime that he had committed were very evident. He had committed murder, but certainly the afflictions that were now chastising him were equally substantial. For now David says, my sin is always in front of me. I can try to escape it, but I simply can't. I recognize my sin is always before me. 
I have taken a man's wife and taken a man's life. Now I'm dealing with the consequences and I feel completely broken. Can one only imagine? My sin, he declares, is constantly before me. No matter where I go, my sin is always there. And I have lost the joy in living. Maybe it's different for you for what has gotten you to where you are today. But if there's one today that has lost their joy, there is usually some issues attached that got you to the place that you were in. From that day forward, the, man's whose, the man whose ways had been the way of pleasantness, he was a musician, he was a singer, he was a composer, songwriter, he was one who brought joy to others who now stands at a point where he says, my joy is gone. When you meet people and they're singing, it's usually a song in their spirit because they are joyful today. They whistle while they work because they don't mind the work. They find joy in what they are doing, but David now had lost his joy. And when you lose your joy, you lose your song. David now, with a broken heart, loses his joy, loses his song, and now feels like that a man that is walking around with broken bones. The crimes he committed the sin that he committed. And now the chastisement of guilt was so substantial. David, a man whose life had been filled with peace, the writing of the Psalms, talking about green pastures and the provision of God, now limps his way through life, broken. His once smooth path now seems to be a thorny road, a rocky road, a road filled with afflictions that were almost unparalleled, unparalleled with anyone else that you read through the Scripture. He had children die. Horrors were released in his household. One of the most beloved children rose up to kill him. He was probably never trusted the same way by his friends. Many terrible consequences of his sin. Can I say to you this morning that sin will always take you further than you ever intended to go? It will keep you longer than you ever intended to stay. And it will cost you more than you possibly could ever afford to pay. Here David now, a broken man, cries out to, to the Lord, my bones, my bones are broken. It's a word picture of the deepest of sorrows of man. His search for forgiveness left him in a heap like a body unable to stand. He cried to the Lord, I have lost my joy. It's painful. Which now was the worst consequence. The loss of reputation, the loss of integrity, 
I say maybe it was the loss of his joy. Whatever it is that brings about the loss of joy is never a good thing. It may be sin. It may not be sin. It may be a broken relationship. It may be a situation that you didn't ask to get in. It may be sickness in your body. It may be a situation that you never asked for. But you have allowed it to get so deep into your spirit and take it so personally that your joy has now been gone. The very thing that follows the loss of joy is we begin to wallow in our own despair. Now we begin to pity our own self and cry out to God, I can't move forward. I can't walk on broken bones. I can't survive with my broken spirit. A flesh wound's painful. But here was a more serious injury. For the bone was crushed by the weight of the circumstances that he now had gotten himself into. It's one thing I'm preaching today about David, a man who got himself into a mess. It's another thing to preach to some people here this morning that may be in a mess that you didn't actually ask for. Maybe you're in a mess today that you didn't want to ever get into, but you find yourself in it and you don't know how to get out. Or maybe it seems impossible to get out. So the only thing you can do is cry out to God and declare unto Him, God, I need my joy restored. Am I speaking to anybody this morning who have lost the joy of living? Your life is filled with pain, with grief, with sorrow, with despair, with distrust, feeling like you were alone. But the Lord this morning sent a preacher to this pulpit to look at you and say, He wants to restore your joy. I felt it last night and even stronger this morning that I'm not sure who I'm preaching to sometimes. The Lord will show me faces and I know before I step to the pulpit who I'm preaching to. The Lord never spoke to me before, but I walked into the room today and when I walked into the room, there were faces that came on like lights that had, that had been switched on. You need your joy restored today. Not one or two, but there's several in this room today that have allowed the circumstances of life to, 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 to take your joy to strip it away from you I come this morning to tell you he wants to restore your joy when you don't have joy it feels like you can't go on it's crippling as a matter of fact it's crippling to live a life with no joy and no peace a life of despair Spurgeon writes about it and he says we may gather from David's words that his plight was a very, very painful one. He wrote it as though he had broken bones that he was living with every day. David says, my sin is ever before me. Everywhere I turn, I'm reminded of my brokenness. Sin has its pleasure, but the end thereof. Sin has its pleasure. Somebody was talking about something 
being fun. I said, I never said it wasn't fun. Sin can have its pleasure, but the end thereof will lead to destruction. It'll lead to your brokenness. It'll lead to you crying out like David with broken bones. My bones are broken. I've lost my joy. Now it has become the anthem of his heart. The one-time great songwriter writing great and tremendous songs that we have put those lyrics to new music today and we sing so many of them around the church. By the way, people who sometimes struggle with the music of today need to read their Bible once in a while because a great majority of the songs that we sing today, they say they're repetitious. They are repetitious, but they're repetitious of the Word of God. Taking words from the book of Psalm and putting them to new modern lyrics, uh, new new modern uh, music. And so they're taking old songs because we don't have the sheet music to go back and do it in the original way. So we do it to fit modern times. But over and over again, we often sing the words of David or the words of one of the prophets or the words that we hear the angels even say. Just a little bit ago, we begin to sing hallelujah for the Lord God Almighty reigns straight out of the scripture put into a modern music. But now here David is. He is the man that wrote so many powerful and wonderful songs. Now his song had changed. His song had changed from the mighty power of God, the protection and provision of God, to now about his pain and his sorrow. He lived through life a broken man because his joy was gone. He declares, make me to hear joy. Often, I think you and I probably weep more over the things that are done to us. We're hurt by people, hurt by things. We're, we, we weep more over the things that are done to us or said to us. I try to let those things roll off. I hear them when they're said. I, I, I know, I feel the pain just like you do when someone says something that wrongs you or hurts you or hits you the wrong way and you think, oh, ouch, I'm trying to do the best I can. That's painful and we pick it up and we move on and we, sit, we seem to get over it. But when our sin becomes willful, when we think about and know what we are doing, now the sin, we have taken it on our own self. More than just simple wrong that happened to him, now David has wronged others and wronged wronged God and wronged himself. We often weep more over the things done to us than over the things that we do to God. But here is the real issue. David realizes that his sin was not just against his fellow man and not against only against his family and not only against himself. But David now had sinned against God and this had caused him to completely lose his joy. David is weeping over the wrong that he had done, the brokenness of his own sin in his own life. Can I ask you this morning... A very serious question. What brings you to this level of repentance? What is it that brings you to the point where you weep bitter tears of brokenness? What causes you to weep over your wrongdoings? What is it that brings you to that 
point, where do we focus most of our attention? Do we focus on what's done to us and the pain? Do we spend more time talking about what somebody's done to us? Or do we focus on what we have done to him? Often we lament over what we're going through and what we're dealing with. We ask those questions, when will my time come? When will my time of rejoicing come? When will things get better for me? When will my time of promotion come? We all want the time of joy and gladness. We all want the time of blessing and appointment. And I'm certain that that day is going to come. But I'm also certain that that day may not come until there is a season of sincere repentance. I believe that God is calling America I believe God is calling this generation, this church, I'm talking to you and I, to a season of repentance and self-examination. The, oh, sorry, God, my bad kind of prayer is not going to do it. God is looking for someone to get to the point that said the, 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 the pain that I am carrying because of my sin is more than I can bear. I feel like I'm walking on broken feet. He's calling us to repentance. He's calling us to get down on our prayer bones, if you please, to change who we are to the very core. The words of David are echoing the hope of the ancient words of Isaiah as I read to you this morning. He says, though thou wast angry with me, thine anger now is turned away and now you are comforting me. Let me help somebody this morning. Maybe the wrong that you've done seems to ever be before you, but I want to explain to you this morning that when you repent, God is faithful and just. Let me go a step further. When you are baptized in the name of Jesus, not only are your sins forgiven, but your sins are remitted. Meaning they are taken away. They are no more. You no longer have to carry the guilt of your sin with you. You no longer have to carry. When you ask God to forgive you and you make a change in your heart and you are baptized in Jesus' name, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things will become new. You have maybe, I'm not even getting to the point of you receiving the Holy Ghost to walk in newness of life, but when you repent, He's faithful and just to forgive. When you are baptized, your sins are removed. You don't have to remind yourself every day of what you did before repentance and before baptism. Well, pastor, it was after. Then let me tell you, you are washed daily by the word of God. Go back and do your first works over again. You've got to go back and repent again. You don't have to be baptized again. What you've got to do is go back and say, God, you're a faithful God. I am a sinner. I have failed you. And you ask God to forgive you, and he is faithful and just to forgive and to restore you. David's words seem to be echoing. They're reminiscent of Isaiah saying, Lord, there was a time you were angry with me, but thine anger is now turned away and now you're comforting me. Let me tell you that the one true and living God will be angry with you over your sin and he will comfort you when you repent. 
People say, well, how in the world can a God that is so wonderful do such horrible things to people? He doesn't. We do them to ourselves. He's faithful and just to forgive. He doesn't want to bring wrath. He doesn't want to bring, he doesn't want to bring these things upon you. He wants to give you life and give you life more abundantly. He wants to give you mercy. He wants to give you grace. He wants to give you freedom. Isaiah said, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song and he has become my savior. It's very similar to the words of David. Do you hear David cry filled with the hope of restoration? Make me to hear joy that the bones that thou hast broken may be healed. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. By the help of the Lord today, Before I'm done in the next few minutes, I want to call somebody in this room to hear joy. Pastor, I haven't heard a glad song in a long time. I want you to hear one this morning. God is faithful and just. God is a good God. God is on your side. God is not against you, but He is for you. God is wanting to forgive you. God is wanting to lift your spirit. God wants to restore your joy. God wants to restore your peace. He wants to restore your faith. Oh, I feel it right now. Somebody feels like you've lost your faith, but I want to tell you God wants to restore your faith and give you the the ability to believe again. Come on, child of God. Pull yourself up this morning. Get yourself up out of the mully grubs today and begin to declare, God is my refuge and strength. God is my fortress and my strong tower. He was angry, but now his anger is turned away. Today he sent a preacher To preach a message of comfort and restoration of your joy. God is your salvation. Well, pastor, if you just knew what I deal with every day. Let me tell you, that's this life. (laughs) It's a few days. James said, it's a few days and it's full of trouble. If you're worried about this life bringing you all the joy back, it's probably never going to bring you joy. Because this life is a few days and full of trouble. But the joy of the Lord... Come on, say it with me. The joy of the Lord. Not the joy of living. Not the joy of a life. Not the joy of friendship. Not even the joy of family. But the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I don't have anybody on my side. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Nobody knows what I'm going through, Pastor. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's not happiness because happiness depends on happening. It's what's happening around you. That brings happiness. It's based on happenings. But the joy of the Lord is something that comes from Him and Him alone. The world can't give it to you and the world can't take it away. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Take this whole world, but give me the joy of the Lord because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, come on, somebody, lift up your hands and shout to the Lord right now and declare, I need your joy. I need your peace. I need your comfort. Come on, God wants to be your salvation. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Come on, you need him more than you need this life. You need him more than you need your friends. You need him more than anything. The joy of the Lord is your strength.
David's divine formula for restoration, including, he said, make me to know your wisdom, make me to hear your joy, and make me to hear your gladness. We hear enough negativism. The world's full of it. I don't even... I don't even turn on the news anymore. I click on it and read it, and I read it. I, I kind of scroll through and decide, do I even want to pollute today with that? Nope, 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 and usually end up just finding some highlight somewhere, and I might read to catch up just a little bit on what's going on, but I just scroll through it. Number one, I don't even know what to believe anymore. I'm tired of people telling me what to believe. The world's full of negative negative people and negative things and it's negativity everywhere I turn. I'm not here this morning to preach a political message, but I'm here today to tell you that there's nothing negative about serving the Lord. We hear enough about what's going on wrong around us. I don't need to come to church and find out what's going wrong around us. I don't need anybody. I deal with enough devils every day. I don't need somebody to come and act like one. The church ought to be a safe house. The church ought to be a place where we come to together with the people of God, with people of like precious faith to encourage one another and strengthen one another and lift one another up in in our most holy faith to encourage one another, to pray with one another, to worship with one another, to remind one another the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's bad out there. Life is horrible. It is. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. I hear so much negative negativity and seems like, you know, you, you got people all, all the time around us. They, they always want to find something negative to say. They, they can't even say a compliment without, an underlying, without some underlying tone of negativity. Everywhere they, every, every comment they make on social media has got some underlying comment. Well, that's a miserable life. I don't need that business. I don't want anything to do with that. I'm looking for somebody that's going to lift me up. Look around you this morning. See if you can find a few people around you that you can encourage today before you ever leave. Well, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. The best thing you can do is start encouraging somebody else. Because let me tell you how you overcome. Number one, you overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That's what you cannot do for yourself. But let me tell you what you can do for yourself. You also overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the Word Oh, ain't nobody going to help this preacher preach this morning. By the word of your testimony, that means half of your overcoming. Half of your overcoming is what God can do for you that you can't do for yourself. That's the blood of the lamb. The other half of your overcoming is finding somebody that you can say, hey, God's been good to me. Start testifying. Start giving them a good testimony. Well, pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. Find something good to say. Start encouraging somebody else, and you'll find yourself encouraged. The more good you talk about to somebody else, the better off you're going to feel yourself because half of your overcoming is is dependent on God. The other half of your overcoming is dependent on your words. The words of your testimony. I feel my help this morning. Somebody needs to find a word of faith to start speaking into somebody else's life. God's going to see you through, brother. God's going to be with you, sister. God's going to help you overcome. Find a word. Encourage somebody else and you will be... An overcomer for it. 
Oh, somebody give the Lord a shout of praise today. Somebody needs what I'm preaching this morning. Some folks need to be made to hear joy. Laughter all around you, but you can't even smile. We're like David. Make me to hear joy. People rejoicing everywhere you go, but here we are limping our way through life. Make me to hear joy. Looking for help in all the wrong places, but we can't even muster the courage to lift up our head. Cry and make me to hear joy. The Lord will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. But he will not do for you what you can do for yourself. He is the lifter of your head. On the worst day of your life, the Lord will reach down and lift you up and bear you. <laughs> He'll bear you up with the wings of an eagle. He'll take you up to that high place. He will plant your feet like hinds feet on high places. You can't even do that for yourself. He will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. But what you can do for yourself, you have to decide, this is what I'm going to do. You've got to get beyond having the pity party that brings attention on you and on your situation and quit talking about what's wrong and quit talking about what, what's happened and all the negative and start finding something good to say. Start finding something good to say. The doctor came in the room, scared my wife and I about to death. I didn't know if Dylan actually picked up everything that was being said when the doctor walked in the room, into the hospital room where we were. He said, I can't explain what is going on, but his white blood count is falling and it's continuing to fall. And we, we can't really, the, the medicines that we're using should not be affecting this. And with what's going on in his body, his white blood count should be increasing and so we want to do some tests and he was talking in innuendos and so finally I just put it right out there with him and I said doctor what is it that you are testing for and he kind of began to talk in a circle again and I said doctor we, we need to know what it is that you're looking for and yes he used those terms that we didn't want to hear we, he started talking about words that we didn't want to hear about he starts talking about lymphoma and he starts talking about leukemia and he starts saying there is something underlying that is going on in this body I, we, at that moment we, he walked out of the room what do you do with that? He walked out of the room and my wife is just sitting in the chair and it's total silence in the room. Dylan takes his blanket, pulled it over his head and just turned and closed his eyes and all he wanted to do was go to sleep. His mom looks at me with eyes filled with tears. I'm sitting over in a chair looking at her. I have no words. I don't know what to say. We're sitting there. All we can do now is wait for the test to come back. All we can do now is just wait and pray. Here was my opportunity to, to, to say, hey, uh, all of these things are bad and all of these things are looking worse. It was up to us on how we were going to handle it. I sit there for a few minutes. I became angry for a few moments in my spirit. I became angry at the devil. I became angry. I looked at my wife and I said, this is enough. 
this is enough. I pulled up the shade. I turned to Dylan. I pulled his cover back. I said, Dylan, wake up. We're turning the lights on. We're not pulling covers over our head. I rebuke. I rebuke depression out of this room right now. Whose report are we going to believe? The doctor said it may be. There's a better chance that it's not. We're going to start believing by faith. We're going to start trusting God by faith. We're not going to start causing everyone. I'm not going to light up social media and say what it could be. We're going to just say we're believing God for a good report. We're believing that God's going to make a way out of no way. Dylan, get up. Let's get in the shower. Get you showered up. Let's get you feeling better. God's going to make a way for us. Come on, CLC. Come on, child of God. It's Sunday morning. Somebody came in limping with broken bones today, carrying a load so heavy that you don't know what to do. Your pastor is in the pulpit today. I came with an encouraging word to tell you he wants to restore your joy. He wants to restore your peace. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you a prosperous future. Come on, somebody. You need to start thanking God for every good thing you can. You need to overcome by the word of your testimony. God's good all the time and all the time he's good. He's never failed me. He's never left me. He's never let me down. Come on. I dare you to shout in the face of fear and begin to declare God's on my side. God hasn't left me. God's not against me. But God is for me. God is on my side. God is with me. Come on, speak a word of faith in the house right now. Come on, speak it into the atmosphere. You know who you are. I don't need to come lay hands on you between you and God right now. Why don't you just start declaring God's on my side. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Come on, he's going to turn it around for you today. He's going to turn it around for you today. Yes, he will. Turn my morning into dancing. Come on, I dare you to worship God in the face of your fear. Worship Him like you've already got the, the good answer. Into dancing. Over. Over and over and over again. You turn my morning. Over. over and over, over and over and over and over again. Here's what I want you to do right now. This is going to be a personal moment. I don't want you looking at anybody else, praying for anybody else. You pray for yourself for the moment. But I want you to close your eyes where you are. And I want you to lift your hands toward heaven. I want you to see the mountain that you have been dealing with. I want you to begin to speak to that mountain right now. The mountain of fear. The mountain of worry. The mountain of sickness. The mountain of infirmity. The mountain of broken relationship. Whatever it is. I want you to speak to that mountain right now. And declare mountain. You're going to be removed. 
the joy of the Lord is my strength. I will not live in fear. I will not live in worry. I will not live in doubt. But today, 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 I'm going to walk out of this place rejoicing because the Lord is with me. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. Come on, declare it in the name of the Lord. Over and over.